We're still in our series called The Heartbeat of God, or just simply The Heartbeat. What makes God's heart beat? You know, we can look around us, and, and we can see what makes our heart beat, can't we? I mean, most of you, you, you got your kids up, and, and hopefully it was a good morning, and, and they woke up easy and didn't spill stuff all over the floor, and the dog didn't get sick on the carpet. And I mean, and hopefully it was just a good day, but we look around in our house, and, and our community, and our church, and, our, and we're pretty comfortable, aren't we? And that kind of brings us some degree of comfort. And, uh, and it kind of makes our heart beat, our children, our, our relationships, our spouse, our, our, our job. I mean, there's just certain things that we do that just kind of causes our, our heart to beat and what kind of motivates us and, and moves us. And we kind of like the comfort and security of routine. And a lot of times we kind of look out and we see different things. You know, my wife uh, this week, she said, are you going to have content this week or are you just going to be all emotional like last week and uh and, and I, I hope to give you a little bit of both but honestly when we talk about the heartbeat of God the heartbeat of God is reaching people and if you've been saved any length of time everybody in here has got enough intellect to understand the great commission go I mean that's not that's not rocket science no pun intended but that's not rocket science go Jesus said as the father has sent me so send I you, John chapter 20 and verse 18. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, And after this you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. Does not take a whole lot of intellect to understand that. The problem is, is we get comfortable in our own little kind of bubble. We get our comfortable in our own little sterile environment. We get comfortable with what is kind of a clean, kind of isolated, kind of good world around us and we're oblivious to what is truly going on out there matter of fact we're kind of fascinated aren't we by looking up and and looking beyond just flipping your bibles real quick to uh, to the book of psalms chapter 19 it's a declaration of the greatness of god as it's seen in the world of nature and it does bring us some degree of comfort as we look out and to see what's out there and explore the heavens and the and the solar systems the bible says that the heavens declare the glory of god now, there are three heavens in the Bible. There's the heaven of the earth that we breathe, and then there's the, uh, the, the heavens uh, that where heaven is, you know, and then there's the heaven that is considered in Scripture the abode of the living place of God. And, and so when the Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God, it's talking about all three. And the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Last night at dinner time, we're all kind of, having fun at the house, and my wife says, oh my word. Now, when my wife starts off any sentence with, oh my word, you know excitement is about to percolate at the house. And she said, come here and look at the sky. It's so beautiful. Well, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after the night, they display his knowledge. There is no speech. There is no language where the voice of God's glory as displayed in creation is not heard. So we look out and we see God's glory. We, we see his, we, his praise. We see his, we see his majesty. We see his amazement. By the way, every night since time began the stars come out and they kind of have this way of just kind of 
kind of making us marvel and, and be amazed and, at their, their grandeur and their glory. And the, it's a message about the power and the wisdom of God. And this is becoming more increasingly vivid in our world today as technology advances and we're able to kind of escape from our, our atmosphere and to go beyond our, our borders of our, our atmosphere, even the borders of our solar system, even the borders of our galaxy. It's an amazing thing. You know, Lou Giglio has done a wonderful job reminding us that the heavens declare and literally shout, shout the glory of God. And the heavens are huge. This room is a square room, even though it's cut off by the stage. It's 64 feet by 64 feet. From that floor to that ceiling is 26 and a half, almost 27 feet. From the stage to that ceiling is 18 feet. I can tell you dimensions about this church that only the Lord and I know. But you want to talk about dimensions of space? About the heavens that declare the glory of God? It's huge. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. 186,000 miles per second. A light year. A light year. And that's how scientists and astronomers measure things out in space. They measure it in light years. Light year is 186,000 miles per second times 24 seconds. I'm sorry, times 60 Seconds times 60 minutes times 24 hours in a day times 365 days in a year. You come up with a grand total of 5.88 trillion miles long yardstick. That's huge. 5.88 trillion miles. That is a mighty big long yardstick. And the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, you look at the heavens and God says, you decide. You look at it all and you make a decision about me. Now in every language, in every tongue, in every dialect, in every tribe, in every clan, his glory is made known. By the way, our galaxy is a Milky Way galaxy. It's a spiral galaxy. And truly, our Milky Way galaxy declares the glory of God. It's 100,000 light years across. That's 186,000 miles per second times 60 seconds times 60 minutes times 24 hours times 365. You got the idea. 5.88 million miles is one light year. Our galaxy that we live in is 100,000 miles light years across if you counted all the stars in the milky way and you counted them at a rate of one per second you would be counting a star for a star every second for the next 2500 years of your life if you could live that long this thing is massive you know a lot of times we kind of get sucked into the philosophy of our day that say hey you live in your own that the world revolves around you it's all about you that's what advertising tells us isn't it I mean, that's what the world tells us about it. It's all about you, what you want to make you happy. In fact, most of you would much rather hear a message on how to be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, than you would a message on reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And how dare we, the people of God, who know the power of God, who enjoy the presence of God, because we know the Son of God, not declare His glory to the nations. But we live in a Milky Way. 
that doesn't even revolve around us. Matter of fact, we're not in the center of that galaxy. If you see the sun go about 93 million miles due east, I guess, and there's planet Earth. We're not even in an arm of the spiral galaxy. We're actually in a gap between the spiral arms of our galaxy. It's amazing. God's creation, the sun, is 93 million miles away from Earth. The average temperature on that rascal is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. They have these solar explosions, which is equivalent to our nuclear bombs going off. The light and the heat from the sun take eight minutes to travel 93 million miles. That's incredible. And yet some people think it happened by chance. That it just kind of evolved. That we all just kind of got here by a random mistake. And even though some of you do look like you're a little misplaced here today, instead of God who orchestrated it, designed it, and put it into place in such a way that it declared the glory of God. Well, if you haven't been on vacation yet, I'm going to take you on vacation, all right? We're going to travel 440 light years away from Earth. And there you're going to run into the Pleiades, it's a, it's a cluster of stars, commonly called the seven sisters. It's referred to, God called it to Job's attention in Job chapter 38 and verse 1. And he said, Job, can you even put your arms around them? Can you tie them together? The answer to that is no, because you can see them to the naked eye there in the, in the, in the sky. The heavens declare the glory of God. If you were to travel 650 light years away from Earth, you would see the Halix Nebula toward the constellation Aquarius. It spans 2.5 light years in, uh, in, in width. And a close-up of the inner edge of the, of the Halix Nebula shows complex, complex glasses, gases, not glasses, gases that we don't even have a clue what they are. The heavens declare the glory of God? Well, they absolutely do. See, when we look out because of our science and technology, man, we just see more and more stuff that says, hey, there has to be intelligent design. Hey, there is a God. Hey, God does truly reign. Well, let's keep traveling. Let's go 800 light years away from Earth and let's visit the Bella Pulsar. Uh, it, it is a mighty, uh, and this is a quote from a Harvard website describing this, and these are non-believers describing this. Listen to how they described it. The jets on this pulsar indicate the mighty ordering forces must be at work amidst the chaos of the aftermath of an explosion of a supernova. Well, I wonder where those ordering forces come from, Mr. Harvard professor. See, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, let's travel a thousand and eight light years away from earth to a region that hosts some of the most amazing and most beautiful sights that's out there. This is the hourglass nebula, and I'm told that, that the outer edges of that, of that nebula is produced by the expansion of faster stellar winds and and the inner part of it is by cause of denser dust and and other particles that are there and it spins out faster on the sides than it does at the equator or it's it's poles go 200 or go 28 million light years away from earth and here is the sombrero galaxy if anybody's in the mood for a little mexican food after church little sombrero galaxy this rascal is 50 thousand light years across and you can see it on a clear night with a small telescope 
towards the constellation Virgo. Skip just 7 million more light years away from Earth to the Whirlpool galaxy. And the disk in the center disk of that Whirlpool is 40,000 light years across and approximately 35 million light years away from Earth. And if you want to find this thing, you look at the Big Dipper and go to the handle and it's just kind of north of the handle in that general area. The Bible says that when you and I look out, when you and I look beyond us, we see the handiwork of God. We see all of these incredible things that God has made. And just to kind of put it in all perspective, I wonder how it truly looks if we were looking not out, but if we were going to look back in. In 1977, NASA launched Voyager. It was, one, it was a one-way mission to take pictures of our solar system. And so what they did is they basically said, before it left our solar system, they said, turn around and take a picture of us and we'll all say cheese. And so it did. And when it turned around, it took 60 panoramic pictures, each picture having 640,000 pixels, each pixel taking five and a half hours to go from Voyager to the laboratories that composited it and put it all together. The rainbow colors you see there are the reflections, uh, the sun's reflection off of Voyager. In the next slide, you'll see kind of a, uh, you see that bright little dot, follow the arrow, see that little dot right there? That's the sun, that's our solar system, that's us. That's where we live. Makes you feel pretty small, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you're not as significant as what you thought you were, are you? This is known as the pale blue dot picture. It's a very famous picture because it's right there on the edge of our solar system. Looking back and that's us. And yet the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. 3.7 billion miles away, it just happened to be caught in a ray of light. And an astronomer called it a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And that's where you and I live. Tell me that happened by chance. Tell me that Chaos produced order and that nothing produced something and non-life produced life. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. I'm telling you, the more and more we look out, the more we are amazed at the handiwork of God. But you know, God doesn't just look out. Matter of fact, if we were to take God's perspective, God doesn't look out at all. God looks in. God looks in. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Think about it. Everybody who has lived or ever lived, Pete, go back one more. Just go back to the present. Thanks. Everybody who has lived, is living, or will live, lives on that little blue dot. Right there. Jesus Christ, whose glory filled the heavens, reduced himself, incarnated himself to live on that dot right there so that you and I might know the glory that fills the heavens in our heart 
Think about it. Everybody who's ever lived lives on one planet. Jesus Christ died to save us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God sees or that's what we see when we look out, man. We see sun and moon and stars and constellation. We see family and we see kids and we see friends and, and we see this clean kind of sterile environment. We come to a clean kind of sterile church and we like a clean life and we, we don't like things to get dirty. We don't like things to get messy. We don't like things to get ugly. We like things to be ordered and clean and tidied and like that. Well, I wonder what God sees when he looks down. There's a verse in the Bible, Joel chapter 3, verse 14. When God looks down, see, we look out, God looks down. We, we look up, God looks down. When God looks down and he looks in our heart, here's what he sees. He sees multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. See, he sees people lost without Christ. He sees multitudes. He sees a multitude of believers going to a multitude of churches, singing a multitude of songs, and going home and multitudinally, I just made up that word, doing nothing. Here's the deal. Jesus said, if you, have, if you are a beholder of my glory, then share my glory. Declare my glory. When Jesus looks down, he sees multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Would you write this website down? Would you write it down? www.joshuaproject, I think it's either .net or .org, but the Joshua Project, joshuaproject.net or .org. What there is, there's about 6,200 ethnic groups. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he wasn't talking geographically, he was talking ethnically. The, the word is ethanos, where we get our Greek word, or our English word, ethnic. And when it talks about going into all the world, it means going to all the different people groups. There are 62,000 different people groups. And of that 62,000, there's almost 2,000 who have never heard. The Joshua Project, .net or .org, either one, will list the top 100 people groups who have never heard the name of Jesus. We're just going to show you the top 10. It's just going to kind of scroll on the, on the screen behind. You'll, you'll see how many there are and what their religion is. And, and, and you'll just kind of understand. This is massive. I mean, it's into the billions of people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ, who have never read the Bible. Matter of fact, they don't even have a Bible in their language. Steeped in Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism. And the hands in China have no religion at all. And when God looks down, he sees multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. In the book of Acts, there were two kind of, quote, Macedonian calls. One went to Paul, one went to Peter. And the gospel was particularly targeted to the Jews first. And then there was this heavenly vision that opened the doors to the Gentiles. That's you and me. And the gospel just expanded without mission boards and, and really without much organization all the way through the early 5th century. And the church grew and, and grew and the gospel was going forth and the people groups of the world were being reached with the gospel and yet they had so little at that time and now we have so much. And now there are more people groups than ever. 
who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I'm telling you, you want an adventure, young people? Forget finance. Forget the business world. Hit one of these 10 people groups. See what God does. Don't go and build on another man's foundation. Go where somebody's never been. Help develop a language that may not have been ever written down and take the gospel to them. Parents, give up your children to go so that the glory of God may be known to the ends of the earth. Listen, when God looks down, he sees multitudes in the valley of decision, and yet he sees the American church today, and yes, he even sees our church today, who has the ability, who has the finances, who has the talent to make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God, and yet you'll hear a message like this, and you'll go home and you'll eat more than what you should, or you'll go out to eat and eat more than what you should, and, and your money that you're going to pay for your meal will will feed bukus of uh, uh, people and you'll eat more and it's not and you know all that kind of stuff and man you, the problem is we just don't want to see the dirty and the ugly and the nasty and the filthy we don't want to see the sins and we don't want to see the messed up people because of sin because sin messes everything up there's a world of people who never heard of Jesus man I would love I would love to be a church to where if somebody said you know what I'm going to go to the Sunda people in Indonesia 35 million people they're in Islam you can get into that country they will listen there are no prohibitions at least to my knowledge there are some restrictions but they're not prohibitions it's not like Iraq or Iran You, you can at least go there to the Sandra people and you can share the gospel that's also where the tsunami hit several years back and to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ there's a call that went out in the Bible it says who will I send and who will go for us who will go see when God looks down he sees people who are lost people who are dying in their sins but he also sees poverty he sees AIDS he sees domestic abuse he sees human trafficking and sex trade he sees little children whose lives have been ravaged by war and we're to make a big deal about kids and our church has always made a big deal about kids and yet all over the world there are kids who will die today because their country is at war. Matter of fact, in the 20 minutes or so that I've been pre- pre- preaching this message and talking to you, three children have died of starvation in the world. Five more have died from curable diseases. And we can do something about it. See, we kind of get used to living in our nice little tidy world, don't we? Where everything is good and everything is comfortable and everything is cozy. And sometimes we don't see the ugliness of the world. Especially as it relates to children. Do you remember when the Iraq war first started? There was a little boy who was, uh, his face was literally blown off by, an eye, by a um, landmine. It just sheared his skin right off. It was a horrible sight. 
And that horrible sight was caught on film and, and his picture kind of went around the world and, and compassion just kind of instantaneously erupted from Europe to America to Australia, even into China. Money poured in. That little fella was, was doctors were secured and that little fella was flown from Iraq over to the United States of America. It was much celebrated, wasn't it? They put that little guy's face back on got him healthy and whole, and he went back to his homeland only to die a month later by an artillery shell. Now you see, that kind of moves us a little bit, but I'm telling you, if that would have been a child in our church, most of us would have moved heaven and earth to get to that child. But somehow when it's not us, we're not as moved as what we should be. We're not moved by what God sees, by his heartbeat. In response to that tragedy, that young man, and not only his tragedy, but the tragedy of others, a a song was written, it's called A Prayer to the Children. And it just talks about the violence and in unknown lands and hearts and homes that are torn apart. A prayer to the children. In just a moment, you're going to see, you're going to hear a song sung, and images are going to be put up on the screen. Some of them graphic. I do not apologize for the graphicness and the graphic display of them. It's real life. It's what God sees when he looks down on that tiny blue pale dot. And he says, church, you can do something about it. Let's do something about it. Open your hearts.